Hi, and welcome to Grazia Life Advice, Grazia Magazine's podcast. I'm Hattie Crisell, and each week I speak to women worth listening to, asking them to share six pieces of advice they really value and the worst piece of advice they've ever received. This week's guest is Rose McGowan. For years, many of us probably knew Rose best as the actress who starred in Scream and Charmed, dated Marilyn Manson and wore an amazing fishnet dress to the 1998 MTV Video Music Awards. That was a punk fashion moment, but it was also an attempt to reclaim her own body. When it emerged in 2017 that Harvey Weinstein had reached a settlement with Rose in 1997, we started to get to know her not simply as an actress, but as a survivor and an activist too. In her book, Brave, she writes about being raped in a hotel bathroom, but that is only a small part of her story. The book is also a call to arms, begging us all to break free from the cult of Hollywood. As of yesterday, you can buy it in paperback, and Rose came to the Grazia office earlier this week to speak to us. I was very impressed with her, especially because she was all on her own with no entourage in tow, and she was popping to the nearest supermarket afterwards for a sandwich. Very uncelebrity-ish. Unsurprisingly, she had empowering advice to share too. So let us know what you think of this episode on Twitter or Instagram with the hashtag Grazia Life Advice. But for now, over to Rose. So how has writing Brave changed your life? Writing it helped me reclaim my narrative or maybe just claim it for the first time, actually not even reclaim. You know, it took me three years to write and... You know, as I say in it, it's it's it predates me too, and and that whole thing, and so it's not about that. It's really it's kind of a cross between an autobiography and a motivational book. Yeah, kind of helping people kind of to see a lot of things behind the scenes and how it might be affecting them as well, and how to see things critically, and and also just how to get brave. Yeah. Did you find it a cathartic process writing it, or was it a difficult process? It was an extremely difficult process. Um, I was quite angry at my father when I wrote it, and I didn't visit his grave for the three years it took me to write it. But after the book came out, something shifted, and and we have peace now. Well, that's really positive. Yeah, yeah. Why why do you think that is? You just I think I just worked through it. You know, I, I you shove stuff down to just get on, don't we? Yeah, I mean, we do that as humans, and and then sometimes you have to go and dissect things that are unpleasant. But it's like when you clean your closet, you make a huge mess at first and then it gets clean, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's a good analogy. Um, I've read that therapy isn't something that particularly works for you. Do you feel like this was kind of your more effective version of therapy? To write I think it, all it was down? to write it down. And I, and I also, I feel like I articulate myself better in the written form. And I found I could really articulate my thoughts and my feelings about things in ways that I had previously not been able to just speaking about it. Yeah. So it's a memoir and it it covers, um, well, it's partly a memoir and it covers your time, you say, in two cults. So the first was the Children of God, which you were raised in for a few years. And the second was Hollywood. Yes. Which is such an interesting comparison to make. But it's also a manifesto. So what did you want women to take away from from reading the book? I think it's more of a motivational book than a manifesto. I know the the publishers say memoir and manifesto, but that makes it sound like it's 50-50. Like half of it is just like, you know, some Karl Marxian thing. And that's not the case. It's really, you know, the last lines in the book are, I know you can, I know you have it in you just by being brave. And it's, 
it's teaching like strength through adversity and, and just kind of how to unwire thoughts of, you know, the way I was raised was kind of like imagine someone was raised in a forest and then thrown into society and expected to act like you were raised by it, but I wasn't. Yeah. And so there is an inherent difference between me and, and a lot of people. And I think it, it set me on an odd path, but it also set me free in a lot of ways in, in ways that I see others still kind of supporting the dominant paradigm, supporting the, the traditional power structure, which doesn't really benefit them. And that's kind of a form of cult. Mm. Do you think that having that very unconventional childhood and difficult childhood allowed you more objectivity than those of us who were raised in a you know more conventional society way I do yeah I, I think it gave me kind of a superpower well that's an amazing way of looking at it yeah <laughs> a superpower to see through bullshit a superpower to see through a lot of bullshit and see through you know a lot of people they'll try to get you to do things in the moment to make life easier just so it spares anybody discomfort Mm. You know, and I always say, like, when you're little and your legs grew, they hurt, right? But you got taller. That's what growth is. Yeah. And and that's, I've had to do a lot of that, especially in the last year. And I think a lot of us have, you know, or, well, my whole life, really. Yeah. So kind of embrace the uh, the pain of Embrace the pain, lean change. into it. Yeah. It's not fun, but it passes. And it's not like that forever. And each time you give your power away to somebody you know, it chips away at who you are. Yeah. What has the response been like from readers and what's that been like for you? The response has been incredible from readers. I met a guy the other night who said, you know, he felt like it changed his life, which is amazing. Yeah. I wrote it for that. Yeah. yeah. That must be very satisfying. Do it's you feel proud? Good. Yeah, I do. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Do you plan to write another book? I do. I've I've started one in fits and starts, but I kind of keep being called towards fiction in my head right now. That's so we'll interesting. Yeah. So we could get a novel by Rose McGowan. A novel. I kind of have this idea about an 11 year old girl that goes on a, she has a one elf ear and one normal ear. And she goes on this epic journey trying to find her tribe of the lost elf. And when she finally makes it, she realizes the voice that she had in her head that she always thought was her mother or something was really her own voice saving her every time. Oh, wow. Okay. So, I mean, that embraces definitely some of the same themes that are yes, important to you. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm really excited to get started on your advice, which is very, it's a very empowering set of advice today. So let's start with the first one. Tell me about this. It's better to be unique. Okay. And I had a grandmother who I met one time in a mental institution where she was housed and she didn't say a whole lot that made sense but she turned to me at one point and she goes don't be one of the sheep <laughs> I, had to, I was 19 I was like okay I don't think there's any danger of that um, but it really is and that be it's it's better to be unique and what I mean by that is that it's okay to be unique it's okay to be different and to feel different because it's likely that you are different. Yeah. And a lot of people go to great pains to kind of normalize themselves. And I always wonder what, what is it? Isn't it um, Nelson Mandela? And I'm paraphrasing it badly, but something about don't dim your light to make others feel like theirs are shining brighter. Yeah. Were you ever a person who dimmed your light to make others shine brighter? I think at some point in Hollywood towards the, the latter part of my career. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. And and that was the time I was kind of most lost for myself. 
What was the turning point there? I started realizing that I was giving all of my power away to people that were abusing me and it made no sense at all. And I just thought this is no kind of life for me. Yeah, I don't like this. Everybody in Hollywood is supposed to say how amazing, glamorous and great it is. And we're all so lucky. But behind the scenes, I wasn't so lucky and it wasn't so great. And Hollywood is a hard place to keep uniqueness in. They definitely are big on conformity. And so I had that fight every day of my life, you know, and, and I think it's ultimately because people want to feel comfortable in the short term. Absolutely. I was actually talking to a friend yesterday who was, um, he's very tall and he was saying that sometimes he wishes he was closer to average height so that he wouldn't stand out so much. And I was like, but what, you know, why would you want to be the same as everyone else? But I think actually a lot of us have that instinct of wanting to hide in a crowd a little bit. I mean, do you, do you relate to that at all? No, (laughs) (laughs) not really. Um, I've had a punk sensibility kind of my whole life. Yes. And it doesn't mean I want to fight, but I will if I have to. But I don't want to. But, you know, for me, one of the reasons I spoke out and did all that, I was like, if not me, whom? Yeah. And if not now, when? And I would tell your friend, own his hype, but he probably gets so many dumb comments every day. Maybe Sometimes you it. just get bored of the dumb comments. Yeah, maybe that that may well be it. Maybe more about other people than it is about him. Yeah, but, but he, he maybe he should read my book. Yeah, <laughs> I'll pass that on. Yeah. Um, so what an encounter with your grandmother then. What a great piece of advice. Don't be a sheep. I'm like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so your second piece of advice is it is better to support yourself than to be controlled by another. Tell me more about that. I think it's better to be self-supporting because a lot of times when people or men or I guess women come to you with the offer of support, um, financial support especially, it certainly comes with a lot of strings. And I don't know, maybe it's parental support. And I don't think you can ever really live a free life until you're taking care of yourself. Yeah. I mean, you've been taking care of yourself for a long time, right? Yeah. You were emancipated from your parents. As I was a, a homeless 13-year-old. Then I went back for a year. And then I, then I went to court and represented myself in court as a lawyer, my own lawyer, and divorced my parents. Yeah. I mean, that is a remarkable life. Um was that frightening to suddenly be in control of everything? No, I was annoyed that other people had control over me. <laughs> it wasn't frightening. It, you know, I had 25 cents to my name, but it was... So that part was frightening. You know, the idea of being homeless again was frightening. All of that kind of stuff. Like, being young in this world is really hard. Yeah. You know, being older in this world is really hard. It's just hard. And um, when you're 15 and you're living on your own but then I started living with somebody who had financial control over me at that time and and you know the the price was really heavy yeah I don't advocate that I think it's better to live within your means in a more humble fashion than it is to you know I know people that are connected to their parents purse strings and they're really unhappy yeah so better to just do better what you just can figure on it your out own. and do it on your own yeah so your third piece of advice is about beauty actually I was really struck reading your book when you talk about Italy and I know that you you were there for your childhood and not having the happiest time but you said you're still very attached to that Italian um, it's so beautiful there it's so gorgeous do you go back much I do go back you know the mentality is a bit much um or little uh so it's a little retrograde or a lot retrograde and it's thinking overall but Italy is the land you know and that's kind of what kept me even in LA for so long was just the land it's so beautiful 
it's so moving. And I always, I try to look up wherever I go, look up at the cornices of buildings and see the beauty in the architecture. Even if you're in an industrial area, there's beauty there. Yeah. So I try to just find it and see, see color everywhere I go. And does that, I mean, what, why is that one of your pieces of advice? I think it fills you, you know, and it reminds you that we're a speck of sand on the great beach of life time-wise. So it reminds you kind of one that we're not all that and that we're here for a moment, you know? Yeah. And I think beauty is a good reminder of that. Yeah. And also that there's more out there. Like there's, there's, there's so much out there. Yeah. There's not, you know, I suppose it's a sense of perspective in some ways that, especially with nature that it carries on regardless it will carry on regardless of whether we're here or not yeah Yeah. we won't be at some point but we won't be at some point which is hard to imagine when you're alive but it is i think it's important to look at the past and look at the future and see where there's beauty and take what you want and leave the rest yeah and you've been spending a lot of time in the uk recently how do you find that I find it's a gentler sort of fuckery. <laughs> <laughs> That's such a great phrase. How is, why is it a gentler sort of fuckery? Well, America's kind of some hardcore fuckery. <laughs> and maybe they're just a little more genteel and mannered about the fuckery here um, in <laughs> well, the UK. As in that kind of polite and so you don't notice that they're yeah, being exactly. suckers. Exactly. Right. But, but no, I'm having a great time here. I, I have a lot of friends in the art world and I do a lot of stuff in the in that sphere. Um and it's just it's just been really welcoming and kind to me and I need I just needed a break from America for a bit. Yeah. yeah. Oh that's so nice to hear that it's been kind to you. Yeah, it has. Yeah. So your your fourth piece of advice, your body is your own business. Talk to me about that. Yeah, I think a lot of people come up well, for me, when I was an actress, people would just come up and be like, oh, I always wondered if your breasts were real. And oh they would poke me and say, oh, they are. I mean, that happened well more than, you know, five times, I would say. That's horrendous. That's horrendous. And and people, when they talk about, especially a woman's body, because it doesn't really happen on the other, in the reverse. And girls do it to other girls, you know. Um, it's kind of like my body is not a piece of furniture that we can sit here and discuss. It's my business. It's also my business if I want to be touched. Absolutely. You know, we're sovereign beings and and we deserve that respect to be sovereign beings and to be in control of our own bodies. Yeah. Do you feel that that is changing, that attitudes are changing? I think they definitely are changing, yeah. And does that feel like a Kicking and screaming, but still changing. Yeah, very reluctantly changing. Do you find that encouraging? Do you feel good about that? I do feel good about that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's better than the alternative, isn't it? Absolutely. And, And it's it's something that you have been fighting for and can take some, uh, I'm not going to say you're going to take credit for the whole whole shift, but that must be quite rewarding. It is rewarding. It's kind of like at times when I think of my financial situation, I'm like, oh, because I kind of had to give up everything to fight. You know, I sold my house to fight legal bills. The only two things I own outright in my life right now are part of a cemetery and a Porsche. Right. <laughs> well, they're not bad that doesn't things get to driven. Own. Yeah, I have a place to go. I have the cemetery. <laughs> um, why don't you drive the Porsche? Well, it's in Los Angeles, oh. and I would never drive one here because you would look like a douchebag. <laughs> right. Yeah. We have maybe we have. A Whereas I actually race it in the states. Oh, really? Yeah. And, you know, they have wide open roads, and it's just a different driving game there. Yeah. I should sell it, but I just love driving it so much. Yeah. Okay. So your fifth piece of advice is about being brave. Tell me what that is. 
Well, I say this in my book, you know, a lot of people think bravery is about never feeling scared. Yeah. It's feeling no fear, but that's not the case. It's not true at all. It's, it's feeling the fear and doing the scary thing anyway. Yeah. That's what bravery is. It's just leaning into it. You know, like I'm scared of heights. So I jumped out of a plane. I just, I resent being afraid of things. It's something that actively actually kind of makes me mad at myself if I have fear. And that tends to exacerbate the fear. So it's not really the best way of dealing with it, I suppose. But I I do, I, I tell people that when confronted in a situation where they don't really know what to do, you know, they can ask themselves what their higher self would do. And, and even though it's a scary thing to do, it's okay to be scared sometimes. It's okay to do the right thing, even if it is scary. Yeah. Do you find that life has less fear in it as you get older? Maybe not in the case of my life, but um, I think I think you get a sense, you know, I talk in my book about women being very desirable or socially desirable, societally desirable when they're really young and, and why. That's why when we're the most docile and the most fear-ridden, you know what I mean? Yeah. And it does. As you get older, that does shift. Yeah. There are real fears, but it's not... I don't wake up at night with my stomach gnawing, you know, itself out of, like, terror. Yeah. And that also must be a sense that once you have faced a lot of very frightening, overwhelming situations, yeah. y- you must know now your own capabilities in a way that maybe when you're younger, you, you're still kind of I figuring was out. I really scared of my own power when I was young. I was kind of scared of myself. Why? Um I think probably because of how I looked externally was so at odds with my insides. and In what way? Because you were very conventionally beautiful to a lot of men and that yeah. you felt like an yeah. unconventional human. Correct. Yeah. And it made it like the dichotomy was hard. It was hard to live that way. It felt like I was kind of doing drag for a lot of my life and looking away. I didn't want to look Um out of this fear of being homeless again, you know, it was mm. this kind of rock bottom fear that I had. And it's something that I had to learn to come into my own power. Yeah. And I did. Yeah. Fantastic. And then the world shook. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And we all know about it. Um, so your sixth piece of advice, again, is kind of really about reclaiming your life and what's important to you, I guess. Tell me what it is. Learn to be proud of all the things you do, not just your stated job title. And what I mean by that is I found, I call them in my book, useless talents, all these things, you know, writing. I was like, that's a useless talent because how is that going to make me any money while I I act? Or singing or photography or all these different things that I like to do. But I thought like it was one of those things, unless your business card says, you know, when it says this is what you do, a lot of people think this is what I do. When in fact, the other things that you do are just as worthwhile, just because you're not making a living off of them doesn't mean you're not incredibly talented. And in that it's, I think, really incumbent on us to explore all those things that we're good at besides just our job. Yeah, that's really inspiring. So you're saying don't define yourself simply by what you get up and do Monday to Friday. Yeah, because why is that any more valuable than than what the other things you do? It just happens to be how you pay your rent. Yeah. Do you feel like uh, since you've moved away from Hollywood, I don't just mean physically moved away from Hollywood, but I mean in terms of your work, have you uh, rediscovered other sides of yourself? Well, yes, Um that that's been going on for like I would say the last five years really discovering other talents and realizing that they're worthwhile talents and that it's not just something that 
oh, if I had the chance, I would do this, you know, I'm good at this, but, you know, in another life, why not in this life? Yeah. I mean, tell me a little bit about your your view on Hollywood, if you could just elaborate a bit on that. Why is it such a poisonous town? Well, it's just always been that way. It's built on people coming to take advantage of others and you get this influx of damaged beautiful girls and damaged beautiful boys flooding in year after year and then you get the predators that go there Mm -hmm. and not just that though I always say like how we're treated behind the scenes is how we're treated on screen is how we're treated in the world and because the union for directors is like 96% men and that stat hasn't changed since 1946. Oh gosh. You're getting an incredibly skewed and narrow view of what you are. Here's the mirror that Hollywood is giving you to look in when you're so young you're not even aware of it that it's making you a conformist without your without your willingness and your agreement, but it does that to people. Yeah. And it's kind of like one of those things where I know the people behind it and I don't know that necessarily they should be in your head. Yeah. And it gives such a narrow view of life, doesn't it? And such a narrow view. Yeah, such a lack of diversity in in all respects, really. Yeah, and people complain about it, but it still exists, and it just exists. It likes to go on just kind of how business as usual, and Hollywood is a very closed society. It doesn't let... I'm kind of the only one who's ever really blown the lid off of it in my yeah. own way. There's been others who've tried, but... You know, like I talk about an actress named Frances Farmer from the 40s, and she tried to escape being famous, and they had her kidnapped. The studio had her kidnapped, and electroshock therapy was given to her to make her want to be famous. I mean, it's so sinister. I'm sure there are quite a few people who'd like to do electroshock therapy to me. <laughs> do you meet young actors and actresses, and do they talk to you about, you know, what do you say to somebody who wants to go that career path I have no idea what to say to them because I don't want to be a dream killer but I was discovered so when they're like how do you do this I actually don't know yeah so because I was discovered I never I always kind of had a different personality than a lot of the actors around me just because I didn't have this hole in my chest that needed to be filled with fame yeah that wasn't your dream no it was my day job being famous was a weird day job but it was my day job yeah that that must make you very unique I'm sure not that many people just stumble into no, they that don't. That kind of career. No. Yeah. No. Um, so that brings us to your bad advice. <laughs> is this something that somebody actually said to you? Oh, yeah. Okay. So tell us what it is. Grow out your hair. Men will like it better. Right. And so I'm when like, was this? Oh, that's fairly common on Instagram and people just, you know, oh, you're such a pretty girl. You should grow your hair out. Men will like you better. And I'm like, well, if I've done anything in my life, it's to try to be like my men better. <laughs> Just kidding. Um, in the past, yes. In the past, I, I definitely conformed to that idea. And then I found my way back to who I was before Hollywood. And that person had short hair. Yeah, because when you were a kid, you had short hair, right? Yeah. And what does hair mean to you? It felt like a plant on my head. Hair instantly sexualizes me. It's this weird phenomenon with me. Um, Because my hair kind of wants to be big beauty pageant hair. Right. When it's grown out, it's like kind of voluminous and puffy and, you know, has that kind of S wave. I don't know. I just didn't like it. It was beautiful hair, but I don't think you can go around... You know, if you want to have long hair, great, but just look at it. Is it for you or is it for someone else? Is it for societal rules or is it... You know, do you want to dye your hair pink, but you don't want to because you're scared? You know, who cares? It's just hair. 
Yeah. Did you feel like you had the hair of another woman somehow? Yes. Yeah. And at times when they stuck extensions on me for photo shoots, I did have you the hair. You literally of had I them. literally did. And I was like, who is this person on my head? <laughs> and now you have a fantastic, very short, kind of peroxide blonde. East Village crop. Barbershop, $17 haircut. Really? In New York City. I love it. Do you think it's your hairstyle for life? Yeah, I think I'll be around this length for a long time. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for coming on today. It's thank been so, so interesting to yeah, talk to you. It's been great talking Best to you. Best of luck. Thank you. Thank you so much to Rose. Brave is out in paperback now. If you like the Grazia Life Advice podcast, please help us out by subscribing, rating it, reviewing it, or sharing it. See you next week for more advice from women worth listening to. Bye.